0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F. All right, let's do this. How are you what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck ears? What the fuck sticks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast WTF. Thanks for being here. If you can if you can't tell, I'm in another hotel room. I've driven down from upstate New York. I am now in New York City. Woke up very early this morning to put on my new clothes to go do uh, Good Morning America to promote Glow did a very short segment. It's all. It's 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 very odd when you get up and go into that machine early in the day. It's the first time I've done GMA, but I've done uh, the Today Show before. But I wore my new sports jacket, my new shirt, and uh, the shoes that I bought with the suit I bought for the award show. Those of you who keep up should know these are these are the first times uh, I'm wearing this. First time I, I haven't bought a goddamn sports jacket in forever. But I figure I'm a grown-up, I should be able to have something to wear. So I got suited up, got in the car, got up there, was put into some holding cell. And then all of a sudden, you just see, here we go. I saw John Hamm and Ed Helms walking off this weird set of GMA where people are just seemingly haphazardly put around different stages. And I'm let out, and I sit down next to a a blonde uh, lady who was very fit and uh, very focused. Uh, I, I don't I, I'm not even sure I got her name I'm not even sure I was introduced I'd never met her before but there I was sitting across from her and like uh, the doing a five-minute segment it's just like bing bang boom here's a clip what's up they had me reflect on Anthony Bourdain for about 25 seconds they asked me about my jacket and me buying clothes because they read about it on the uh, update that I send people every week for about 25 seconds talked a little bit about glow somehow got off track talked about cocaine which was a Caused a little bit of a, uh, you you know, when you're on ABC and you're doing a Disney uh, outlet, they get very nervous about what's, I couldn't even say WTF to promote the podcast. And then I talked about my character on Glow doing Coke. And apparently there was a a bit of a moment or two of panic in the control room as to whether or not we would have to shut down the show. I guess that's the world we live in, but uh, I made it my own. I didn't say I was doing it. I didn't promote it. I said it was in the past, and it was a character thing. I guess I, guess I did all the right stuff to uh, not have a, a, a uh, uh, we'll be right back card go up in the middle of um, Good Morning America. No technical problem, color bars card had to be dropped. No commercials had to be run abruptly. It all went okay. So now I'm back in the room. I'm just tired, man. I'm just fucking tired. I feel like I'm always tired just like doing the jobs, doing the jobs. But uh I thankfully got a full show today Holly Hunter. Uh, I talked to Holly Hunter back in the uh the new garage a few days ago. Just I think it was like 3 days ago I talked to Holly. Uh, she is um in the the uh the Incredibles 2. She is the voice of Mrs. Incredible. Uh but before uh, Holly, we're going I'm going to I'm gonna spend a little time with Amber Tamblin uh, she has a new novel out any man comes out June 26th you can pre-order it now wherever you get books I I was also uh, I did a section of her audio book and uh, and it was great to see her but uh, before I get into that I I'd like to also say that I am in New York and I don't know if I covered this before it, it seems to be in the life of a Jewish person. Uh, that there will be many days where you walk around smelling like onions and fish. And uh, for some reason, lately, when I get to New York, I compulsively go to uh, Russ and Daughters. And uh, I didn't go to the cafe this time. I went to the actual store because for some reason, I've been on this no-carb diet with very little sugar. So it seems like there's very few things I can eat. But I don't know if I'm uh, if it's really working that well. I just inhaled. An entire jar of cashews. Could that be antithetical to what I'm trying to do on a weight loss level? Perhaps, but for some reason, I immediately went over to Russ and Daughters and uh, got two fillets of majus herring uh, and, and just a mound of uh, pickled onions on top, and put that yeah, they put that in a plastic container, and I got a few slices, four slices, about an inch of uh, beautifully sliced uh, smoked sturgeon, just to travel back to the old country of my genetics. Just to take a little journey through my genes back to Poland and Russia, so that happened, and uh, then of course uh, there's a problem with having interactions with people for for hours, for hours, just uh, fish and onions. That's what's happening. I think I, I even got a little bit of it still now. All right, so Amber Tamblyn, it's been a little bit, but we've talked. She's been on the show before. We've talked uh, for an hour plus about. About poetry and other things. She's married to my dear friend Dave Cross. They have a child. Uh, We talk about that a little bit. We talk about her new book, Any Man, a bit. We talk about cultural momentum around uh, women's issues and stuff uh, like that. It's a good conversation. I'm glad she stopped by. It's always nice to see Amber. This is me and Amber Tamlin back in the new garage. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best podcast possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read the foxed page is for you get it now wherever you get your podcasts and how's the baby
1: she's pretty fucking cute yeah um she's just started to walk she's doing she's making a lot of eye contact uh-huh while holding objects and then dropping them uh-huh. um, as if to say
0: yeah what are you gonna do pick, about it pick
1: that up Fucking yeah, yeah. pick that up. What are you gonna do, Mom? Pick yeah. it up, and then yeah. you're like, "I'm not gonna tell her. Oh, I'll pick it up."
0: Yeah, you pick it up. Yeah. How's uh How's old Dave doing with a baby?
1: He's amazing. He's, yeah. He's, a, he's a, a quite an extraordinary dad. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. He's really. He's really really. A good dad.
0: Dave Cross, dad.
1: Yeah, Dave Cross, Oh, you dad. did it.
0: You did it.
1: Yeah, and he's getting ready to go out on another um, tour. We're doing two tours together, actually. Um,
0: I know, I saw that, yeah. Uh, it's going to uh, be wild. Where's he been running the material?
1: Um, he's been all over the place. He was in Chicago. He was at- um,
0: Playing small places?
1: I think like medi- medium mm-hmm. small, yeah. Some, but mostly working a, a lot of the the material out, yeah. like at the Knitting Factory uh-huh. and places in Brooklyn and uh-huh. New York.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. So the book, I, you know, I I read the book. I read my part of the book.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, it was like it was heavy because I, I I wanted to do it for you. I'm glad I did it. I yeah. think I I put I put a lot of work into it.
1: I can imagine, and when I said, you know. Um, after Barry had passed away and I, I, I said Barry Crimmins. Uh, yeah. And I said, um, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like I framed this around him uh-huh. and then and then like of course it struck me and David's like, I actually think as much as I love Barry, I think I think Mark is a better choice. Like he can really do this guy. Who oh. this guy is?
0: <laughs> oh, good. Well, I I think that's good. Well, I'm glad it is I a got, compliment. Yeah. I'm glad I got uh, Dave's vote of confidence. No, I I had a, I was very engaged with the material and I thought it was uh, very intense. But I, I get a sense of the book and and the project of the audio book. It because it, it's not poetry. I think people are used to reading poetry, but it is prose poetry to a degree. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually. I find that more, to me, more interesting with novels. Certainly, as a writer, writer of fiction now, mm-hmm. um, but I'm I'm not really tradition uh, interested in the traditional models of um, of how fiction is written. And and for me, there's there's really not anything that I can do that doesn't have some form of poetry in it. Of course. And so for me, it was about changing the structures. Like a lot of the other characters are not written in the in the way that you know that yours is. Some are told through, you know just purely through their searches on yeah. the internet or through tweets, right. or then there's some that are just like really long sort of beautiful pieces of prose. Right. Um, but they're all very separate and very unique.
0: So what was the, like the impetus? Cause this is not long since your last book. I mean, you know, I, th- no, I feel feel like not, you yeah. know, the book of poems which I imagine was done over a period long period of time.
1: Yeah, that was um Dark so, Sparkler was took, you know, 7 or 8 years right. to to put together. Um but that was really like a an exorcism, like an existential um metamorphosis and this book r- took about three and a half years really and, yeah and I I as a writer I I sit and I think for really long periods of time um, I don't write incrementally I uh-huh. sit and I think I incubate and then all of a sudden I write everything in like four months huh. very quickly it's why I still have carpal tunnel in my left hand I've had it for two years wow. um, it comes and goes like I get it in my right hand sometimes too I've I have a lot of ailments with my arms from, yeah, from, from all just of the,
0: From writing the yeah, way you do? like yeah. so, Like intensely writing? My
1: for, acupuncturist would say, I am too <laughs> curled into myself, which I think is a pretty oh, pretty accurate sure. representation. Just an
0: armadillo, kind yes. of like armor, you yes. know, stay away. <laughs>
1: That's exactly right.
0: Right. Wow. Because I, I was under the impression that the book was a reaction. To what's happening, culturally. I mean, the timing yeah, no. of it, and I know you've <laughs> I been- I could
1: have never foreseen this in a million years. Like,
0: like you're, you've been very engaged with, with Me Too stuff and with your own story of uh, dealing with predators and weirdos and- yeah. Men. Yeah. So I, it, uh, I, I thought that this was like in reaction to that, but this was kind of going on before.
1: Oh, yeah. This was this. I thought about this over. I mean, the, the Me Too movement is still in its little baby infancy. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, it's about as old as Marlo, uh-huh. my daughter. Yeah. Um, and this was three and a half years ago. But, you know, I will say that this is. I should say what the book is about. The book is about um, a female serial rapist who attacks uh, a group of men. Uh, th- over the course of two years in uh-huh. the United States. And the book has many conversations at once. It is um, it is both, uh, you know, a conversation aiming to, I think, resensitize culture, mm-hmm. um, specifically rape culture. Um, but it is also, uh, its aim is to sort of show the stories of men who are also uh, fall p- prey to sexual violence and harassment and and even forms of intimidation, especially in the entertainment business. It's rampant, but it's not really talked about because women are at the forefront of it and and it's predominantly happening to women. And it's also because you never really meet this horrible, horrible woman, Maude, who does these things. You never meet her in the book, really. Um, I was able to – the writer in me was really able to let my imagination run away with – how people described her and what the media thinks of her, and how CNN turns her into, um, you know, part animal, which is what is based on some of the the some of the men who have described her in, in what they remember and what they don't remember. So it's also commentary on how we sort of mythologize women. And to me, I was really fascinated by and
0: murderers and, and murderers. rapists. Yeah, all of it. Yeah,
1: I was fascinated by um, the idea of making a female protagonist. Um, who didn't have consequences in the way that I feel that men often don't have the, simil- the same consequences that we do. Uh-huh. Um, they don't have to speak for them necessarily. And what would it be like to have someone who wasn't, it wasn't revenge-based, it wasn't going after an, you know, a John or a dad or an right. ex-boyfriend, but it was just purely psychopathic. It was purely for power and uh, for the enjoyment of harming people.
0: Not not unlike most male Predatory, yeah, uh, rapists, it's, killers,
1: which is not about the act of the right. of the sexual harm. It's about the act of the power.
0: Right. So, when you say resensitized, what does that mean?
1: I think, I, you know, I, I for the most part, I think conversations surrounding sexual violence. Um, I think that they are uh, people. Frankly, I think people are bored of talking about it. They're bored of reading about it. Um, they get people get upset for a momentary amount of time. And then before you know it, it's back to business as usual and right. things don't really change. Yeah. Um, and for me, I wanted to 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 uh, de-gender the conversation, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to really take that away and say, listen, this is a problem for everyone. This is a problem that affects all races, all genders, all peoples, it is systemic, it is endemic to our culture and we if we're going to start having real facilitated conversations about how to drastically revolutionarily change things, then we have to push buttons and we have to start creating art that changes the way we think about things. We can't it's not enough just to tell the story. We have to open the mind of of the country and of the world frankly we have right. to it's, change
0: it's not it's endemic in the culture but it's also endemic in you know western civilization
1: absolutely yeah. so
0: like if you're going to track patriarchy right it's not just cultural it's yeah. the way shit is
1: yeah and it's also you know the other, the other conversations happening in the book that I think is most prominent and your character who you voice in it is really sort of one of the people that starts rallying against it is, um, you know, the, the book is an indictment of journalism. It's an indictment of our culture of social media and the way in which we um uh, perform care uh, the care of survivors the care of women's stories um, for right. short for short amounts of time and then it's on to the next one it's yeah. sort of this in this 24-hour cycle yeah. and we we honestly do more harm than we do good
0: well I mean I don't know myself how included
1: th- by the way sure. I'm on Twitter like I feel the same way when I am going is this helping am I helping
0: yeah I kind of pulled out of the Twitter, like I, I, you know, I do it promotionally. Yeah, David and, just did that too. And like, I'll I occasionally I'll answer questions, but I don't engage with garbage, and I don't, I just don't do it. I never did Facebook, but
1: so wait a minute, you practice self care
0: a little. Yeah, I'm. Believe me, I'm. I'm doing damage in other areas. So, <laughs> Fair yeah, yeah, I mix it up. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. No, but it's self care in the sense. But I can't get off my phone in terms of news. Yeah. And in the same way, we do kind of nullify and numb ourselves to you, you know. It's just like boom. It, you, you're literally just punching yourself in the face with information. Yeah. And it's very hard to, you know, I've I've got a hard time dealing with um, not so much empathy, but like you, you know the weight of others' pain. Uh, in personal life, yeah. So, like, to deal with it, like you know, every day with news, and then to be, you know, have your uh, ideological sensibilities and and your sense of justice and everything else, you know, kind of sh- you know, attacked every day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how we stand up to that shit, but I, I think that taking the time to write a, a, a novel where you know you have to think about it in a completely different way. You, you know, especially something that is as memorable as what this book represents. I mean, you know, it, it could reconfigure some synapses.
1: Yeah, and I think it'll probably upset some people too. You know, I've, there's already been a couple things here and there, of, especially women saying like, you know, you're not helping anything by taking our pain and suddenly like trying to give it to men. And, and, and by flipping it, you're taking away from us. And I just fundamentally do not believe that. And I think if we're going to be talking about what this idea of equality means and really getting past the point of telling telling stories, which is what the Me Too movement did so profoundly and beautifully, and moving towards actionable change. Like, what are we really going to do to change things so this doesn't happen? So when my daughter grows up, You know, I don't have to hear about her going into a meeting where some guy's going to pull his dick out in front of her.
0: Well, I think scaring the shit out of men is working a little bit.
1: It is. And it's also it's it's also I understand it's like it's drastic and it's scary. And, you know, I I have said and I feel like men only like war when it's their kind of revolution Uh and when it belongs to. To others, then maybe it's a little like whoa, whoa, whoa. We should uh, slow down here and maybe have a rational conversation. But every time I, I come up against this, and every time I talk to a man, most mostly liberal men too, um,
0: those fuckers, <laughs> Those
1: fuckers <laughs> about what they think the answer is, uh-huh. you know. And I say, okay, fine, we're we're it's a witch hunt where we've gone too far. It's we're in the backlash. Uh-huh. Blah 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 blah. P-p-p- put your fucking coin word in here. Yeah. Um, you know what's the answer? Well, I think, and they don't ever have an answer. They don't. They don't have one.
0: Well, I think the answer, like just from a personal reaction and thinking about my past and my behavior, and I, and I think that the, the simplest thing in, in terms of what it's provoked me to do is just to be you know, mindful of where what I'm doing is coming from.
1: That's that's a lot. I <laughs> no, mean, that's all of it. I, no, meaning I, that's a. You have no idea how unique that is, and I think a lot of men are really—they um, uh, push—they push back against they that. They resisted. Yeah, they resisted.
0: Well, you know, it's just like, do I need to touch her shoulder? Is this flirting? Am I acting out? Am I being, you know, inappropriate? Yeah. Is this—is this space? Not, you know, why am I saying that? The you whole know, thing,
1: the whole, whole like excuse, the, too, about how, uh, how now, like, no one's going to be able to flirt anymore. No one's going to know what to do in the bedroom. Like, all of those things are, are performances and they are, they're, deeply disturbing to me and because they're disguised as ways to stop the larger work that's being done. Uh-huh. Because they know that's not true. If you have a, an ounce of understanding, you can still go fucking have some chick put heels on and step on your balls. You can yeah. go do whatever kinky... Do I have to do that? Yes, you do. Uh, okay. Kinky, weird, amazing shit you want to do yeah. as long as there's one word involved and that's consensual right it's like it's not that hard and if it takes you having to maybe use a few words right. from word your right mouth yeah. to ask or to figure out a way to say that like, then that's that's okay. what it is
0: okay yeah. okay <laughs> all good no and, and also the 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 i think the the conversation about uh you, you know the Kind of um, the the power struggle or the or or the the misuse the abuse of power in work environments, uh, no matter how small, is is really the the I think it seems to be the heart of the cancer. Yeah, it is. uh, You you know, like what people do at home and how that you, you know how things are misunderstood or not. Yeah, you know, I mean, those are conversations that you know have to be between people, you, yeah. right? But like, like what really resonated with me and what really made me think a lot was that even if you're in, in a workspace for a month or for you know a couple months or a week, that there's a dynamic there where you know it's not about the other thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if Absolutely. you're if you're
0: acting in a particularly inappropriate way in a workspace, what what is that about? Yeah. You know, really ask yourself about that. And then you go deeper with that. And then it's sort of like, what is it all about? You know, how do I really see women?
1: Yeah. And then also, if you're, n- if you're not that person, right? Yeah. Why are you also not, if you're seeing it happen to a woman speaking up? Right. Because that's the other problem, is that right. we've got a world in which men have more allegiance to men's careers and livelihood than they do to women's um, physical safety and that's really a problem you know and so they feel like well it's it's not my thing I don't want to get in the middle of it or she could be exaggerating and they always go to the things first that would mean that she's a liar and that she's not telling the truth and that's one of the biggest problems that we face right I think the fact that we are even having this conversation Hmm. you know you and I sitting here in your garage, yeah. like having this conversation, is um, in and of itself the the manifestation of that change. And and as painful as the last six or seven months have been for a lot of people and many people that I know, um, you know, I, I think that that it's so important to realize that this is really where it begins—the questioning and the wondering. We're talking, yeah. yeah. And you can't tr- you can't change things overnight, right? You can't just like you said, you can't. Um, suddenly say everyone has to be different immediately stop go this is a, a learning curve and for men this is generations upon generations since the beginning of time of behavior and so it it's incremental and you just have to be diligent and persistent and um and not waver
0: yeah right and and also it requires men like me like you know, slightly you know recovering assholes <laughs>
1: recovering assholes you know, i love that, that
0: yeah i mean like you know look my I, husband's
1: I, a little bit of a recovering asshole he's still an asshole but he's a recovering different asshole.
0: kind of asshole me and dave but yeah yeah he's uh he was sort of a cra- cranky self-righteous asshole
1: yes that is correct <laughs> <Ding>! <laughs> accurate
0: uh yeah you don't argue with dave do you
1: yeah she's you should try to be in our household in the last <laughs> six months
0: Oh my God, he's stubborn, man.
1: Yeah, he's really stubborn. Has,
0: has the kid uh, uh, softened him?
1: Oh, totally.
0: Oh, I'd love to see that.
1: Yeah, it's um, he s- sings to her and he says funny fucking things while he changes her diaper and makes her laugh and is really good at distracting her. Oh, um, and I just get frustrated and. Um, oh,
0: that's sweet. To he's just—he's
1: just, just an extraordinary dad.
0: Great. How Definitely. Did, how, has had it, how, how has having the kid changed you, like, uh, for the oh, better? I
1: think, um, I think, I think having a kid has weaponized me in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, in
0: the sense of her future.
1: Her future, but also my past. You know, when I think about the shit that I tolerated before, mm. um, when I think about what I was what I am worth and and, uh, and having known that as long as I've known that and that the ways in which I've let people stifle that and they really weren't you know I wasn't letting them I was I was letting myself be stifled you know you can't you can't blame other people for what's going on with you you can only sort of look at your own actions with that and so for me so much of it has been about um, just what I won't tolerate yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward and it's really nice to be able to go oh, I get it now. There's something for me in this experience that's so important um, that all this other bullshit, like you said, doesn't matter. And I'm... I refuse to to bend I refuse to waver on it
0: I find that like so much of that uh, looking back on stuff and not wanting to to you know seeing who you were understanding who you were and realizing that you were vulnerable insecure not aware mm-hmm. uh, that you know maybe uh, y- you know you left yourself uh, uh, unintentionally or unconsciously vulnerable to uh, to whatever uh, it, it's it's it those are hard lessons to learn but you know yeah, you know, it's better than on some level, like just reacting early on and becoming a monster because of monsters. I
1: completely agree.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, some of it's just the natural evolution of sensitive people.
1: Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Still doesn't make it any easier, but no, of think-
0: course not. Yeah, and also to be aware for your kid, you yeah. know, to 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 provide whatever you know missing self esteem you had. For whatever fucking reason, I'm to speak for myself as well.
1: Well, child actress, that's mine. <laughs> sure,
0: sure, but like you know, why were you, you know? Yeah, uh, you know, right. But but nonetheless, it's that uh, like yeah, there is there seems to be a way, I think, uh, to give children self-esteem and sense of self or at least provide the environment to do that i'm not sure that i was even though i was a it was a finely funded environment was not a great environment emotionally right
1: right Right. yeah that that adds its own weight for sure
0: yeah you you, because you think everything's good Look, I, I get what I need. I got clothes, and my you know I, we have a nice life, and my parents we have money and whatever, and I'm completely emotionally incapacitated.
1: Wow, <laughs>
0: but but that's what it happens, right?
1: Were your parents together when you were little, or did they divorce? No,
0: they were there. They, they were, were there. just in, are they still married? Are they still no, there? no, 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 they, they were just a little self involved. You know, got it. Yeah, so you know, I had to kind of figure some stuff out on my own. Yeah. So what what made you get public about James Woods?
1: Oh, uh, that's like one of those ridiculous. Um,
0: well, I mean, I, that's a weird question. I mean, no, I I'm know glad what you, mean. you did, but like, it was just seemed to be like, was it just sitting there?
1: Yeah. I, I okay. So Army Hammer and I did a movie together. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. We did a movie together in Spain years and years ago.
0: He's been around that long.
1: Yeah, it was like some small. Uh huh. Some small movie. Yeah. Um, and uh. And somebody I know had retweeted this thing that he wrote, and it was just one of those things sitting on the couch. Yeah, clicked it, saw him say something to James Woods, who I did did not know. I knew very little about. I certainly didn't know that he was such a conservative, um, uh, talking piece, and also just a uh, overall prick. Yeah, like I didn't know any of that at all, and. Um, And I so I saw him, you know, this argument that was going back and forth about him. You know, he didn't like Army's movie because it's about Army having, you know, a relationship with a younger man. And then Army called him out and said, "Um, what are you talking about? You date 17 year olds. And I did not I did not also know that that was like a James Woods thing that that was a thing he was known for. Um, And then a a memory uh, popped into my head and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I remember when he tried to pick me up at Mel's Diner when I was uh, like seventeen. Yeah, I was seventeen. Um, I remembered it because of many factors, and uh-huh. I even like I called my dad to double check, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I remember when you came home and told me about that."
0: And you knew it was James Woods.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know,
0: he's memorable. He's memorable. You in never that way. forget that fucking face.
1: <laughs> no, you you never forget a predator like uh-huh. that. And uh, and so I just tweeted it. I think that's so indicative of our of the time we live in too you know you just tweet it but you forget you're living in a world where people are watching and and because i think you know because of the election of donald trump because of so many factors really people were like ready to pop off they were ready uh you could feel it boiling under the surface for women and a lot of men you could feel this sense of like this is not happening anymore and there's a riot is about to go on and so it it just turned into this huge thing and uh and i would have never gone further had he not like gone out of his way to give an interview to you know variety or one of those things and call me a outright liar Uh uh-huh and i was like i will fucking throw a brick through your life motherfucker
0: yeah did you
1: yes (laughs) I wrote a couple pieces, and it is the reason I have a contributing writer for the New York Times was because I wrote a piece there, which was um, widely read, uh, called "I'm Done with with Not Being Believed," and it really was this idea of like, you know, uh, this 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 idea that you have to go out of your way to prove yourself on so many insane levels. Yeah, Um, it's it's so unfair, uh, and oftentimes. You know, women have to come with like a stack of papers of evidence for a small thing like that happening, and Mm -hmm. that the the first reaction is to always second guess uh, the woman.
0: Well, that's but that's all part of the paradigm of you know the bitch is crazy.
1: Yeah, that's right. Right. That's absolutely right. That's like
0: that's one of the uh, the it's it's on it's on the you know top five checklists of patriarchy. Oh, that bitch is lying. She's crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's uh that's really true, and um. You know, I think that was that, and that happened like three months before the Harvey Weinstein story came out. So it was really in the air. Um, Oh, was
0: that was that early? I didn't realize the timing of it.
1: Yeah, it was like three months before. It was the um, it was the reason that. Uh, and the, the the article was so so read and distributed. That, the one
0: about not being believed. Yeah. yeah. That,
1: that Jody Cantor from the New York Times, who at that time nobody knew, was working on the Weinstein piece, um, asked to speak with me through yeah. a friend. Oh really? I didn't have anything to give her, but um, right. Like I didn't have any Harvey Weinstein stories, but right. Uh,
0: but the but yeah, but you were. Sort but of I knew about proceeding. it. I knew it was happening. Right. Yeah. And it was starting to build. Yeah. And you were one of the first things to pop off.
1: Yeah, it was it was sort of incremental. There were there were many of us that were really doing it, and then um, you know I think I'm also a founding member of Times Up, and one of the great things that we've been doing, you know, Times Up was like a thing that was a bunch of really pissed off, angry women who got in a room together and mm-hmm. just were like, "What are we gonna do? We're we're not gonna just be angry anymore. What are we gonna actually functionally do?" Yeah, how can help? Um, how can we
0: help? Yeah, yeah, and
1: and that was. And that to me is the catharsis. That's mm. that to me is what makes me not feel like a crazy person. Is to go, okay, we started times up so that nobody ever has to say, "Me too" again. So no one has to do it. That's the point. And
0: how's it. the momentum? How are you, are you guys still uh, in, uh, engaging? And
1: yeah, I mean, it's a it's huge now, um, and it's you know like all movements, it's like uh, it's had its criticism, it's had its criticisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like trying to uh, fly a plane while you're building it. It's hard. It's fucking hard. And you get a, uh, hundreds of people with big ideas who are geniuses in their own right, um, and and you're trying to like create a plan to shift Western culture as we know it. It's it can't be done overnight. So, no. um, but I think the progress that we've made is is absolutely extraordinary. Um, one of the very first things we did with the launch of it was. At one point, the women of the Farm Workers Union had signed um, uh, a petition or a letter to us saying that they stand with the women in the entertainment business. So we wrote a response letter. Uh I think there was over 200 of us. uh, basically saying, we see you and yeah. we we hear you and we stand with you in this effort to change the Farm Workers Union and, and even in the restaurant business and all these other businesses. And we tied that with um, a, a legal defense fund, uh, which has raised over $30 million so far, which yeah. goes towards basically um, helping uh, both men and women who are uh, victims of harassment and sexual assault in the workplace.
0: I went out with a woman years ago. I don't know if Dave knew her, but uh, she once said to me, and, and I and I can never forget it because it seems to be encapsulate a lot of stuff. She used to, she was a bar, she's a sculptor, you know, mm-hmm. very tough woman, interesting character. But she used to bartend at a strip bar, but she wasn't a stripper. But she's a bartender. It was in, uh, I think it was in Boston, and she quit. And uh, I said, Why'd you quit? And she goes, I got tired of men looking at me like I was food. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like her I like her <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh good good luck with this book I'm very happy about it I'm happy to see you yeah. I'm happy to have uh, been part of it who are some of the other people in part of in part of the audiobook because that seems like a whole other thing the audiobook
1: yeah it's so it's um uh, Ben Foster
0: oh really yeah I want to meet that
1: guy oh he's okay I cannot wait to text him and tell him you said that because when I I was at his house two nights ago um, and I I told him I was coming to do this and he goes, "Oh god, I want to meet that guy." I shit you not. So he's a fan of yours and sometime I'm going to connect you guys. You need to interview him.
0: Yeah, I do. And I talked to uh Oren or is Yeah, uh, yeah, Oren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, we had a long conversation me and Oren and and he came up and I'm like sort of half obsessed with Foster. And uh, You'll
1: become more obsessed once you meet him. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a dark He's a dark knight of the soul.
0: Huh. How'd the, that happen? In
1: the best possible okay, way. Okay,
0: I'll find that out. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Yeah. So he's one, yeah?
1: He's one, and John Roberts, who's yep, right. Lyndon Bob I haven't heard burgers. from him in a
0: while. I have seen he's him in, He
1: moved to Jersey. Hmm. He's in Jersey. And my dad, Russ Tamblin, mm-hmm. um, a wonderful actor out of New York named Glenn Davis. Um, yeah. No No swappy. Slappy was did do a voice for it, and then I had John come over and do it instead (laughs) because the character is gay, and uh, you know,
0: did Dave do his gay guy?
1: He was he was gay, and um, but then it was actually you know it was David who was like, I think this is a bad call, and I think you should get like a one of your rad. He did not say rad. David Cross did not say yeah. rad.
0: He said one of your gay, gay friends.
1: Yeah, he just said, get the real deal. Yeah, and yeah, you have it. Right. You yeah. have it, so go get it. I think that's it.
0: right. I yeah. Think that, oh, good. All right, well, um, when's it out?
1: Uh, the book is out June 26th. It's right. called Any Man. And
0: you're going to send me one so I can read it on a plane? No. Thank you. Thank you. again amber Tamlin's new novel any man out june 26th you can pre-order it now wherever you get books listen folks i was excited to meet holly hunter wouldn't you be it was very uh just this year come over to the house show up uh, say she liked my house we talked a little bit about patio furniture front porch furniture and then we went into the garage and knocked out the conversation so As I mentioned before, Holly is the voice of Mrs. Incredible in The Incredibles 2, which opens everywhere tomorrow, June 15th. And this is her and I talking about a lot of stuff uh, back in the new garage. Uh, Me and Holly Hunter now. Sound good.
2: Good. I'm just going to put this down so I can actually see you.
0: No, I think that's a good idea. I appreciate the uh, the impulse. A lot of people they don't they don't know how to do a mic, but like, well, God knows you know how to do a mic.
2: Well, You're spent, anim- you know, We're here talking about <laughs> yeah, a movie where I was at a mic. Yeah. I was. It was so interesting. This guy at Disney, the same room. You would probably be really interested in this yeah. room. It was um the same room where they recorded. Jungle book. Louis Prima came in oh, and really? was oh, you know, yeah? playing with his orchestra. Singing. Yeah. And uh but the the guy there, Doc, he's the sound engineer, he's yeah. outfitted the recording booth yeah. with all these kind of the, the the microphone is on a um an automated he can automatically move the mic with right with um remote control from his booth oh and, and normally you know the guys are doing it it's like sure. analog i mean you're yeah. coming in, yeah. like right. adjusting it yeah but he can do it from the booth kind of soundlessly yeah so as you're recording he can
0: it's, move oh it. really it'll just uh, the mic will just start moving i guess it's a uh, it's it's less cool. uh, it, it's not as rude either as someone coming in going like could you just uh you know, right. focus on oh, them. I yeah. yeah. cut.
2: You know, hold on, Holly. You know, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it just adjusts. And
2: they have like these bars that fly down uh-huh. that you can hang from. Yeah, if yeah. You're, if you're doing like really, you know, physical stuff. Oh,
0: so you can get you the can kind of
2: get yeah. the feeling. It helps, or right? There's a bar also that you can push up against. So you or can act. You can like pull it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, Disney is obviously animated wise they're set up for yeah they got the legacy
0: yeah of course it's the original place so right. like so you're at the the old lot in this old right, room man. and it's you can, so
2: beautiful it's so humble you would love you yeah. would particularly yeah i think love yeah. it
0: and you can feel the history of everything yeah
2: it's very humble very kind of like very low-key
0: yeah but, where is in burbank uh, yeah yeah
2: it's in, Bur- in, in burbank it's, and uh i don't know i just I particularly love recording there.
0: Uh-huh. And how long did it take to do this movie?
2: About a year and a half. Maybe a year and a half. Wow. Really? Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, though, it was nothing. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the animators were like breaking their asses to, right. to do this. Right, I guess this. that's
0: what you're not... You're, I was like
2: coming in once a month and hanging out with Brad and having some laughs. Yeah. Those guys were like working you know, 24
0: yeah. seven doing the cells. Cause I guess all that's done on computer now. There's no reason. There's no guys but, sitting around inking. Are there?
2: Yes. Do you think that those guys draw those, yeah. those guys all to And then some of them do their stuff on the computer, but it, it's, it's still a yeah. phenomenal thing because you know, they'll go, you know, so-and-so is like on fire. Yeah. <laughs> She did 3 seconds yesterday. It's yeah. like they if they do a second a day of anime, of film yeah, time, right. a second. That's crazy. A day then they they're like they're they're booking. Wow. So
0: So what is it like what's the storyline of this one?
2: Well, it's funny. This movie
0: The Incredibles 2.
2: Incredibles 2 Brad um the the feat of the movie yeah. is the partly the complexity yeah because it does feel like there's about five movies wow in one yeah and he's able to weave them narratively uh-huh. together uh-huh. in a way that, that it's it's like they're necessary right it's 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 inevitable have you seen it it's yeah, yeah. and it's, it's i think it's look I, I think the movie is is dazzling the movie takes place yeah. for like 14 seconds after the last movie, okay. And it's 14 years, but in animated, time, it's 14 seconds.
0: Okay, so right.
2: like basically, the family is in the exact same position of jeopardy yeah. that they were in when the
0: right the, the last picking one ended up right there
2: with the underminer, the bad guy yeah. coming after us, coming you know coming yeah. after the city. You know, the superheroes are still illegal. Uh huh. And the parents still don't know that their youngest son, the infant, Jack Jack,
0: uh huh,
2: has. Crazy powers. Right, right. So they don't know that.
0: That he's really a superhero.
2: That he's, he's a superhero right. himself. Yeah. They think that he's a normal baby. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. So you have all of the It's those a common problem with parents. <laughs>
2: well, in fact, probably <laughs> most parents would agree yeah. <laughs> that yeah. their baby is like right. super in of some course. weird
0: way. A genius.
2: Like a genius in terms of like never <laughs> sleeping.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Or. Yeah.
2: Um. But anyway, uh, so that's where we. Uh-huh. We start,
0: and, and like the the first movie was incredibly popular. It's got a huge following, right? The Incredibles operates on.
2: It's not necessarily for children. I mean, it, it right. certainly is a movie that children can enjoy.
0: Yeah, but, yeah,
2: but um, Brad, this guy, Brad Bird, he's a bit of a genius. Yeah, yeah, he is.
0: Yeah, why? Because he's got he can get all the balls in the air. He knows how to like really. like he just he's one of those guys that seems like it's uh, expansive
2: yeah 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 Yeah. he's kind of a high low guy i mean he's got real highbrow real lowbrow humor um right operates on a a kind of uber sophisticated level and and visually it's really sophisticated right um well that's the trick he has great passions great visual loves yeah and he's got a great um the disney legacy and yeah. that you know he's he's a real historian oh of, really oh of yeah animation so he's
0: a disney nerd an himself. animation nerd
2: yeah i mean he he's got a, a that's that's really where he comes from he's highly he's highly educated about about the history of of animation well, that's and, great
0: yeah bring a lot to it yes. yeah i mean it's it's sort of like i mean what is uh, what's the interaction as an actor when you work with a, a animation director how I many how is he in the is he in the booth i mean what happens
2: no, he's he's not in the both. I mean, I you know this is the only animated movie I've ever done. So uh-huh. these two, so yeah. I I I don't know how these in other general, guys yeah. do this.
0: Yeah, because I've done voiceovers before, and they're general like someone's usually there. You you assume one of them is a director. I don't know. You you know like you're just in a room, and someone says okay. Yeah, they're talking to yeah, you, a disembodied and, voice. Yeah, or and or even like, they're on the phone. <laughs> right, right. And they're like, right. okay, we're good, I think. That's it? Right. Yeah, you're good. And they'll go,
2: hold on just a second. And then there's silence because they're conferring.
0: <laughs> right. But yeah. they're,
2: they're, none of that is what... The, no. Br- Brad is in the room. Oh, he's there. He's he's right sure. there. He's, oh, okay. So he's, you are... He's, he's, he's you and right. I'm me, and except we're both standing.
0: Oh, so he and is directing you.
2: There's a microphone yeah. between us. Right. And... And it's just really, uh, and he is the director. Yeah. That it, and it's just between him and me. There yeah. is no conference. Uh-huh. He's going, yeah. Yeah. Dad, that, that, you know, and yeah. he'll have a suggestion and then he's like, great. Yeah. And then we move on to the next scene. Isn't
0: it easier to uh, make adjustments when it's just your voice? you know and if a director goes can you just give that to me a little maybe tired and you're like yeah no problem absolutely as opposed to like i, I can be tired <laughs> yeah but like when you're on a set with a bunch of moving parts and it's live action you know to sort of get a note and then reconfigure it into the entire scene it's a big deal but with the voice it's just sort of like yeah sure
2: let's try it a couple times i don't know but the the live action thing yeah mark that's what that's I what I, I do. I know that. I but would I, never call it live action.
0: Well, I don't know. I just it's meant just it, acting, right? I meant it <laughs> as opposed to animated, right? Right. But but live action. Where did that word come from? Um, that's a knife.
2: I see that. Yeah, and it's got like. Places for your
0: fingers. Yeah, I don't know what, where it came from. I actually do, but it's not really. I just, uh, I found it. No,
2: a it's, a, it's a cool, it's an
0: object. I don't know where live action came from. I guess live action came from, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you. know you, at some point there were so many animated movies, you had to draw a line. Yeah, there, a so, line must be drawn. Right, it's a live action movie. Real people. <laughs> right. Yeah. I always feel kind of sad
2: when I, I find myself occasionally accidentally saying it
0: what live action yeah yeah have you,
2: have you read tree of smoke no, I, I, I haven't read
0: that dennis johnson dennis johnson he's great great oh man right.
2: i love, love him
0: it's like like really amazing books like yes I, do you i i watched you like you worked with my friend well i guess we're friends i mean we're certainly contemporaries uh, kumail uh and emily who uh you know i know well you love it, huh? Yeah,
2: I love. You love doing mom. that movie. Yeah, no, nah, I love. I love those guys. Yeah, I miss those guys. You do? Yeah, I-, I was just it's so funny. I was thinking about them this morning, going, ah, you know, I miss them.
0: Do you? But you live in New York. Yeah. So do, when you come out here, do you have people you visit? You could have maybe dropped over, said hi. Yeah, bye. no,
2: no, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, uh, when, when I, you know, there, I've got so many great type friends in LA. Yeah. In some way some of the some of the greatest friends that I have live out here.
0: Yeah. From a, a life in show business. That's right. <laughs> LA collects great people. Of course. Why do you stay in New York? Ah, uh, you know I just
2: uh, love New York. Yeah. I can't get New York out of my head.
0: Are you in the city? Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you still you don't think it's changed a lot or you, you it's have, changed phenomenally and in, in good way or like ah you,
2: uh, you know I mean I think Giuliani just like he just wrung a lot of the edge out of the city
0: back then back you know, but, then but now like yeah, I don't even days. know right I don't yeah I was there I was there in the eighties and I don't even know like I don't where know were the, you where were you second between A and B <laughs> <laughs> what. 1989 to 1992. Yeah, it was a well, that's edge. Yeah, it was a war zone back then. <laughs> but now, like you go there, you were, were stepping over needles and stuff. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. And there were point guys. There was a whole racket yeah, going. I mean, there was a you... doorway next to my yeah. house where they line up to get the dope. And yeah. now there's a nice cafe there. It's a nice little cafe there in that po- exact place. Wow, that's... Everything's changed.
2: Yes, everything and is... I, co- and some of The Edge, maybe it was nice to, to not have to look over your shoulder like constantly.
0: Well, I think that but, like, you know, like when... But they, I think it's a little too soft. Right, well, when they did Times Square, there was like... That's a, tough. But it, it is pretty spectacular. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, I think like, like I, I'm i of two minds about it. Like, do we really miss the porno theaters and live sex shows and, you know, Port Authority being a, a complete fucking shit show? But it still is. Uh, right. Port Authority is like, wow, Do you remember that place (laughs) that the the
2: the Penn Station? Oh my God! Did they tore that down?
0: Did they tear Penn Station down? Well,
2: I mean, it was like it's
0: under Madison Square Garden. No, it
2: was the one that was just like beyond magnificent. You got to see this documentary about it.
0: Oh really? You got to
2: check. Well, I mean, it's 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 truly mind blowing that Uh they tore this this
0: the old the old building down. Yeah. Yeah, I just right. think I, I think that like Times Square, like it, as it's touristy and it's weird, but the it's lights like and everything. It's like if they
2: took a wrecking ball to Grand Central Station. Oh, it come would be on. exactly really? like taking a wrecking ball to Grand Central Station. The that sounds terrible. The monumental of, of uh, Penn
0: Station, the original Penn Station. Yeah. I don't know. It I, was I don't it was much it.
2: bigger than uh, Grand Grand Central. It was oh. a massive building.
0: I love Grand Central.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: I love going in there.
2: It's, it's just New York.
0: It's beautiful. So where'd you grow up though? In Georgia, Georgia, yeah, like rural Georgia. Yes, like city, really.
2: Um, you know, actually, not that far from Atlanta, but it was, you know, I grew up on a farm. And what they have on the farm? Uh, hay, cattle.
0: <laughs> so it was a cattle farm. Yes. And your dad and was, hay. Uh, well, your your family were cattle farmers?
2: Um, no, my father was a, like a gentleman farmer, but yeah. the farm was a fully working, operational gig. I mean, it was a, right. Um, and both of my brothers—I've got two brothers who live and work on the farm. Still,
0: no. yeah. So it's the family farm is still in, in family tact. Farm
2: is still happening.
0: Yeah, and uh, like how many acres? How many cows? Like a like hundred
2: and fifty acres. Oh my god! It's... No, n- 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 sorry, two hundred and fifty acres. Wow. Um And it's you huge. Know, I don't know how many, cow- how many huge. cows they have. It's that's... but for for a farm, it's it's small. Two hundred fifty acres is small when you've got the farms out in Texas that are like. 30,000
0: I guess so that's true you know it's really it's yeah.
2: pretty you know and is it a dairy lost.
0: farm they or they they're beef oh so they they yeah they make meat they're meat cows meat yeah.
2: cows often referred to as beef caught cows yeah,
0: yeah beef cows that's <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, did you work on the farm as a kid
2: <laughs> no, no, no no
0: no not at all no my
2: father was a true true blue sexist
0: Oh really? Yeah. No, no working. No, on No, girls plans. did
2: not do that kind of thing. <laughs> girls should wear dresses and yeah. help their mother set the table.
0: Uh huh. So that's what you did.
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what'd your mother do? This uh, just she, the older version of that. An older version of setting the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making the food.
2: And my mom, you know, she she was a, a a a what do you call it? Like um, she was a housewife.
0: Yeah. That's what, That's you call what it. my mom did. A farmer's wife. It yeah, sounds she like. was
2: really she. But no, not a farmer's wife. She uh-huh. was a housewife. Yeah. Um. She was a '50s housewife. You know, very, very much in that tradition.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and did uh, so. Your brothers are older or younger?
2: All older. So I'm the youngest.
0: There's three of you.
2: No, there's there's five brothers and, and one sister.
0: you oh really? You have five brothers and a sister. So there's seven altogether. Are they all still around? They are, they is, they are. Is everybody friends? Yes. Oh, that's good. We we
2: see each other. You know, that's... actually, we we all got together for the big sick.
0: Uh huh. So um, did they love the movie?
2: Uh, yeah, they loved it.
0: Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's nice to hear about families that kind of keep getting along, and everybody's no one else is in show business. No, no, no. So they're all excited. Well, look, you for know, you. I, I
2: think it's important yeah. too. I mean, for me personally, it's really important to kind of to keep that um connection yeah i i, I think you have to make compromises uh-huh. there are things that you maybe you don't want to discuss you know there's <laughs> stuff that you don't want to have come up yeah. money and politics are generally two good yeah. things not to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> yeah. and and it's also but it's fairly easy to avoid those topics is it even even in this day and age i can absolutely avoid both of them with ease
0: but no one's pushing your buttons
2: Um, my buttons are not really pushable. It's just like, and I, I, I step aside.
0: Yeah. You're not going to do it.
2: No, because I feel for, for me, the priorities are really firmly in place. It's like there, there's, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult and I can,
0: I can handle it. I can handle it. And I don't need to talk to you about that. Right. (laughs) You know, this conversation is over. I love you. Let's eat dessert. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's. And they know. know. Everyone knows.
2: Yeah. You know. And and they get it. They, they, I think everybody's, you know, obviously if you have, still have a, a, a connection with your immediate family. Right. For the length of, you know, your entire adult life. Yeah. It's because people have a certain, you know, they got priorities and they've got boundaries and everybody understands, you know, what the lineup is, which is you want to keep this intact.
0: That's right. And as long as you don't lose. It's important. Yeah. Right. And as long as you don't lose your shit. Cause some drama <laughs> that could last for three, four years, right. 10 or 20, 20. Yeah. You want to
2: avoid the 20 year, um, meltdown.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. The, the one meltdown that lasted 20 years.
2: Yeah. That t- turns into that weirdness
0: uh, that hasn't happened.
2: That most people like people have some, at least six degrees of separation contact with that kind of um, fallout. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to avoid it.
0: Yeah. I've gone years without talking to my dad at some point. I don't know that I lost those years. He's still around, so it it doesn't feel like I made a tremendous mistake. Right. Just had to be done at the time.
2: Right. Sometimes (laughs) these things, they're inevitable.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I I imagine, well, I'm I'm projecting. I imagine that because you're from the South that there are some lines that are drawn politically that must be challenging. (laughs) You're speechless? So what else can we talk about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not even going to talk to me about it. That's all right. No, I mean,
2: wow, that's yeah. that's
0: that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, tough. and
2: the 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 lines that are drawn, you know, from one state to another now seems so massive and so yeah, it's kind
0: it's of a trip, right?
2: Violent. But you know, Georgia, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, because Atlanta is you know. like I, I mean, I work in Atlanta, so but Georgia
2: you know. could you know because of the black vote yeah. i mean georgia could turn blue again sure but i was just trying to th- i mean because people are so um they p- there's there's been a lot of activation yeah, about sure. you know reaction uh, of yeah. yes everyone's a, like
0: woke, waking up people,
2: people are woke yeah and and georgia is experiencing that big yeah. time yeah so it's kind of going from from violently red to possibly blue
0: yeah it's exciting it's very it's exciting when Americans all of a sudden realize that maybe they have to engage in the political process I know man I do, you know what I mean? It's very hard, as a, you know, even for me, where you just sort of like, what have we been doing for thirty years?
2: I know it takes a state of emergency.
0: Exactly, and, and
2: that's and that's a, that's unfortunate for almost anything to happen. I know. Does it have to? Do we have yeah. to go this yeah. far?
0: Yeah, we well, yeah, we we don't. But it's sort of like I think people just get disconnected, detached, you know, bored with the political process. They they get the thing in the mail. They're like, oh, I don't even know don't where know. I'm going. Who's this guy? What know. is that job?
2: I need a glass wine
0: sure yeah yeah i need some wine i'm not going to make it over to the voting place it's dirty (laughs) (laughs) can't we just do it at home yeah you can if you send the thing in oh did that already come yeah it's (laughs) probably so what what, so did you when you left georgia were you like i got to get the fuck out of here
2: um i yeah Yeah. although uh, yeah. yeah i i would say that that's true I love living in New York. Yeah, and I don't have any desire to live in the South again. Except I will say, I find New Orleans an incredibly
0: seductive,
2: um, original city.
0: Right? You it's know, the, it's like New, New its own Orleans thing. is
2: it's is, its it's it's own thing, and and I find it really powerful mm-hmm. when I go there. It's just like the pull is
0: yeah. it's just so beautiful. It's almost mystical.
2: Mystical, right? Um, so, and I hope New Orleans never loses that. It doesn't seem like it's going to.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I was there not too long ago. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was like, ah, oh, this isn't the same. There's still that thing. Great, man. Well, just the thing, like just looking at the buildings, it's like this. There's nothing like these buildings anywhere. It's I know. like a down to the architecture. Like, there's nothing. This isn't. Its what were you doing thing. down there? I did a show, did stand up show uh, a couple years ago, I guess, and uh, walked around a bit. Do you a, like
2: doing stand up?
0: I do it a lot. Yeah. I do it. Yeah, I like doing it. Um, nice do you come job. to New York? Yeah, sure. Do you do. go to
2: Comedy Cellar? I mean, where do you? I do
0: the cellar sometimes. Yeah, I, I used to go there a lot when <laughs> and I. And do lived you in New like
2: York. the intimacy of the cellar? I mean, how? I, I like. Or making... do you like the bigness? Do you like going to the Beacon?
0: I like making uh, a, a place the size of the Beacon intimate. That's a, like uh, that's what the challenge that I've taken upon myself. Uh, I was just at Royal Festival Hall in London. It's about twenty six hundred, and I like bringing it in. To where it feels intimate. I mean wow. that that's been the evolution of what I try to do, as opposed to rising to the space. Let's bring the space in. And, and it,
2: how do you do that? I mean, what I like-
0: sit down. <laughs> I sit, you know, you sit down. You talk directly well, that's to cool. people. Right. You know, it. I it mean, it's like how much energy do you want to exert, and you know how how what. What's the quality of laugh that you want? You know, how much of, you know, how much do you want to be engaged? I think it's a matter of engagement and taking emotional risks uh, that create an intimacy, not just, you know, going beat to beat. That's like theater. Well, that's
2: interesting. I mean, I it just, I, I immediately just kind of thought about Spalding Gray.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a Spalding good movie. would
2: just kind of bring it. He would just bring it into him. He would just be sitting at that desk, right? You know, that's and it. talking to people. It yeah. was just like he controlled. You know, he he controlled the closeness, and, I, and that, he made it. He demanded that it be close.
0: That, well, that, I think that's a, that's if if I could think of if I could cite somebody that does something that I find that I would that I would aspire to, it certainly be that. Yeah, and he's not. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I think you can do it with any space. I really do. I think theaters are built for, for that in a certain way. They're, they they kind of crave intimacy, that the idea of spectacle is a whole other thing, you know, if you're a rock concert or whatever. But, you know, if you're in a theater, and you know, you've done theater, so you, when you get out there, it's, it's visceral. You can feel the presence of the audience. You have a, a sense of, of, of their investment and their emotional attention. And when you just talk, like the, to talk off a mic in a big space, people are like, what's happening?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, just to sit down at the bacon, is that's that's kind of a um, radical act.
0: I think that's cool. I did it at Carnegie uh, oh two my, years ago. Wow!
2: Oh, wow! And it was wow, at Carnegie.
0: That much wasn't that wonderful. I, yeah, did you well,
2: love the feeling?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I should have had. I did love the feeling, but like I kind of, I, I yeah, it took me a while to get grounded because I was nervous and emotional, and I couldn't believe I was there, <laughs> and I was sort of, <laughs> you know, winging it a little bit man. for about like a half hour. I was just floundering around, but once I but that was another situation where I'm like I gotta make this intimate and there was a point in the show Where, um, you know, I wanted, my dad had sent me a text that I thought was hilarious, but I'd left my phone backstage and I wanted to read it. So I was in a very improvisational place, even at Carnegie Hall, and I was asking someone to bring me my phone from backstage and no one heard me. So it became this little mystery in the middle of the show, like, are they going to bring it? Is this going to happen? Are
2: they? Is this, am I
0: talking? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then someone appeared at the door. Can you hear me? Exactly. It's that. And when they finally showed up, it was a very exciting moment for everybody. <laughs> wow.
2: So, yeah. And did you feel the the acoustic I mean, did you feel oh, yeah, the wood
0: definitely, definitely. of
2: the liveness of that oh, yeah, room? Definitely. As opposed to the beacon.
0: I I've Which... never done the beacon yet. But, oh, okay. yeah, but, yeah. but definitely I you definitely feel Carnegie. You feel the whole history of it. You know, there's like <laughs> totally. I, did, I just I
2: I can imagine. I, I can only imagine what yeah. what that must be like to look out. I because mean, yeah. I love to go to Carnegie It's like circular. Watch.
0: Yeah, it's like sort of, yeah, I, I love places where you can hear, you know, like, w- that are designed for instruments, you know, where you can hear, like, just anything.
2: So, what about Disney?
0: Oh, yeah, I th- I've only been there once. I've not seen a show there. I've um, not seen would the you, symphony. Would you... I would go, yeah. I like Lincoln Center. I've performed in opera houses. Like, I'm, you don't know, like Lincoln Center? You don't yeah, like it? Yeah, but
2: not Disney here. You I got know, the, the creme de la creme. I mean, Disney's is unbelievable. is the creme de la creme? Oh. Yeah, man.
0: Have you been there? Oh
2: yeah. yeah, tons. I mean, I love to go to Disney. Yeah. Um. Whenever I'm in LA, I try to go to. To I mean, Esapekka Salonen. Yeah. And then you guys got Dudamel. Yeah. I mean, it's it's two not really of the greatest my... conductors in the world.
0: Yeah, I got to get more into it.
2: You guys have.
0: I know. Um. But I, I don't know that world. Like a lot of times, I'm if, if I'm in New York, I've started to go to uh, to see the jazz. You know, over to see Marsalis and those guys at Jet Lincoln Center, right? And then, like, but I just do it. I don't, I don't plan it. Like, if I'm in the city and I'm like, you know, I got a little money, you know, what's over there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I did that at Lincoln Center. I don't know. It's like, all right, so they're playing a little bit of Beethoven and some other shit. I don't know these people, but how bad could it be? It's at Lincoln Center, right? So you just pay the. You know. But
2: I would say, I mean, if you could see Dudamel.
0: Okay. Here? Yeah.
2: Dudamel is just, he's such a visceral conductor. Yeah. I mean, I think he brings out like a, he's just, a, he's a, a world class guy. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's very. He's very visceral. I yeah, mean, I, I sure. think that the, the, the kind of music that he draws from musicians is really, he's got a really global influence. He loves, you know, a, a, a real international sound from his musicians. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, he would be a great guy. I'll go. To just go listen to and watch I
0: appreciate you you, what he does yeah I appreciate you telling me to do that I mean
2: I'm really jealous that LA has him and that New York doesn't
0: well now I feel like uh, just an asshole an unsophisticated no no man no no it's a treat
2: you're gonna get to go to Disney Music Hall with one of the great conductors you know, uh-huh. and who who brings a I don't know. I'm
0: excited. Kind of
2: an earthy feeling to classical music.
0: But do you are you do you know classical music well?
2: No, not really. But you just but, like that dude. But I I well, I I like the LA I like the LA Phil.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to go because, like, I've been wondering how to enjoy life, and this seems like a step well, in the right you direction. You know,
2: definitely go there, and you can <laughs> then you can also check out the space and go. Hey, yeah. you know, you could perform there.
0: Oh, I don't know, yeah. because
2: that would be incredible. Yeah, like, I mean, that's you would probably adore
0: that. It might be, it, yeah, it might be exciting. I performed at the Symphony Hall in San Francisco, which is the another big, huge and acoustic I, I don't, space. I don't know that. Well, here's the issue. Like, I learned a weird lesson. You Know it's about 1900 seats, but like it's a space where they do comedy sometimes for whatever reason. If you can get people in there, I sold okay, but there's a giant organ that just it's always there and it takes up the entire back of the right. wall. And and uh, I felt that you know, subconsciously, people were expecting something bigger. <laughs> So when I did this face, I did this Royal, Royal Festival Hall in England. And again, I walk out, the organ. it's a fucking organ.
2: Well, and at Disney Music Hall, you would have the same thing.
0: Right. So, but they said to me, they said, we can, we can put a curtain in front of the organ. I'm like, would you? Cause I've had experiences with organs this size. Or I but feel could you just
2: like go play a couple of notes and just like.
0: Maybe, but I don't even know where the keyboard was. All you see are those pipes. I know it's true. Where, where is it? Like, I don't know where the guy sits. It is, it's, it's unbelievably mysterious. So, when you were in New York, did you work with Spaulding?
2: No. Well, you know, it's so wild that um, one of my first experiences that I ever had was with Spaulding when he was um, with Richard Schechter and the um, the, the Worcester. original Worcester group. Yeah. Um, but this was like 1977. Uh-huh. I was in Pittsburgh going to Carnegie Mellon University and the Worcester group and Spaulding came through town. And oh, they really? did a workshop with yeah. us.
0: Yes. Um,
2: because I was a you know I was at a an acting conservatory. That's
0: well, that's one of the big ones. That was
2: uh, yeah. So he came and and they they the workshop did a workshop with us and I you know he was unforgettable. And then they performed you know uh, three plays um, over that weekend. So we we saw them perform and then we worked. It, but it was unforgettable for me.
0: Yeah. Um, what left was, the biggest impression?
2: His improvisatory freedom. Uh-huh. His intuitions i mean think you know things would come to him and it would just be impulse he would have an impulse and then he would act on act on the impulse and that's something that actors you want you know Uh you 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 court that yeah that thoughtless kind of thing
0: yeah yeah
2: and i thought that he mastered that
0: um as a monologist but i mean i wonder like no but this was kind of as an actor uh um
2: as an improviser okay yeah um,
0: right but like it's harder to do that in character i would think
2: well, he really wasn't thinking about character. Right. He was thinking about, like, circumstances. He, right. would, he would, you know, pose these circumstances to us uh-huh. and then, you know, yeah. and put some conflicts in for us, some obstacles, uh-huh. and then we would deal. So, it like, wouldn't yeah. be like doing a part. Right, it would right. be like just dealing with this,
0: Im- the, you Im- know,
2: conflict. Yeah, the that.
0: improvisation of the immediate. Right. right. It's so happening I, now. I just
2: thought he was kind of, you know, really a profound a profound artist that I was seeing really young in my, you know, or very early on in my studies.
0: And did you meet him again later to to tell him that he had this amazing impact on you? No. Never?
2: I saw him, you know, several times, Uh um, but I never went backstage. I was too intimidated.
0: So Carnegie Mellon, how'd you end up there? So did you do theater in Georgia early on when you were younger? You did.
2: Yeah, I, I um, you know, sometimes I forget. I'm just like nodding my head. And you're like, Holly, you got to <laughs>
0: talk. <laughs> She's nodding her head now. That's uh, that's a yes. That silence is a yes. We need a, a, yes. a
2: translator, a, a verbal translator. Yeah.
0: But you did, like, you did. <laughs> yeah. She's
2: tired of talking. Are you tired of talking? <laughs> no, but, you know, so do people just play with all these kind of fun things certain, that you have?
0: Certain people do. I
2: mean, this is, this is a hammer. It's a with half a hammer. split handle, is very Scary. provocative.
0: It is provocative. It's I, like I it's like it.
2: cropsy. It's yeah. like this should be in a horror film.
0: Yeah, it might be. Might be. If you put a little blood, sure, you're all set. Yeah, some people play. I, I sometimes I wonder why they play, and I but I like having. Do you think out there. wow,
2: they're playing because they're nervous,
0: or I they, no, I think it's a comforting thing. They usually. wish they had
2: a cigarette, or
0: what is it? Something. Yeah. Are they bored? They, I don't mind if people smoke if they want to smoke. <laughs> But uh, I don't know if they're bored. I, I think it's a it's a way of it's um, an anxiety, anxiety, and also sort of like uh, it's distracting. Hey, and, yeah. and
2: you know what? This looks like What's Mosaic it? Man.
0: Yeah, it's a mosaic mushroom. Is this
2: Mosaic Man?
0: No, that was oh. a fan made that. They put oh, wow. the name of the podcast and they put a little cat and on. And you top know for Mosaic
2: me. Man in these villages? Oh yeah,
0: he does them all over the lights. Right, so right, light. right, right. Oh, that's right. That guy. Right, right, no, man. I don't. I don't think that's his right, work. But right, I do. When I go does, to New York, looks, I do like it.
2: Definitely inspired by him. So anyway, yeah, acting. So acting, ah oh, yes, acting.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> oh, try to get a little the
2: subject that I warm to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in Georgia, what were you doing? Just like high school stuff, or
2: just high school stuff.
0: But you, know, you knew you wanted to do
2: musicals. I was, yeah. you know, in high school musicals. Uh, I would love to and, see and you and in yeah. a high school musical. So <laughs> then, then, and then I, uh, and, you know, then I was uh, 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 a director. Saw me in a high school play, and he was the. Director of the Alliance Theater in Atlanta, which is the Atlanta's big theater, and he did um, uh, Repertory Theater uh-huh. in Upstate New York.
0: Oh yeah, summer rep. Sure.
2: And so he said, "Do you want to come to my summer rep uh, company yeah. and apprentice?" This was when journeymen. This is when sure. you when you apprenticed. When yeah. you right, you, know,
0: you learned how to clean things and build things, days. and you know yeah. serve food and yeah. yeah, wash
2: people's underwear. Oh and,
0: well, that's a. You and, sure that everyone did that? And,
2: and I had to. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, I helped actors off the stage in the dark, and I turned the turntables in between scenes, and all uh-huh. that, yeah, all that yeah. crazy stuff that, that that apprentices do.
0: Did you love it? I loved it and who, what were some of the shows who were some of the actors you walked off stage did you meet people that impressed you did was it was life changing when you saw this people on the stage
2: you know it was the first time that i had encountered a gay community mm-hmm. that i knew was a gay community uh-huh. and that gay community knew that they were gay yeah so that when i went back <laughs> to my high school i went oh wow he's gay <laughs> You know, one of my classmates.
0: But did they was, know? He's or did gay you go and he doesn't them. know it. Uh-huh. And so. he,
2: may never, he may never know it the way that I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Or he may never be as comfortable as yes. the people I met up there. He He's never. That's he, right. It's almost a sad feeling so for it, that it, person. It was
2: it, was, it was. it But it was an exciting awakening for me because there were all these like incredibly theatrical, at home, fun
0: Yeah. Um, you just wanted to take the gay guy you knew in high school and bring him up there. Yeah, and, and say, I know. I like, just say, "Hey, r- man, run wild. It's okay." <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, so, yeah, there were
2: a lot of really fun, impressive people, and I went. Oh, I want, I want to do this. This is the world. To become part of the theater. I want to be part of this world.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. And you did. You became that. So and what I was, became that. What's what were some of the shows though that you were able to see? Like because the Summerstock is always a little odd. The, the tour. was no, funny. It is funny. It, it is funny?
2: Well, I mean, we did Gypsy, we did Anything Goes, we did Cabaret, we did you know
0: all these. But so you didn't have celebrities coming in to do shows; it was just a a group, uh, just a group of right, right. You know, and
2: some professional actors were Uh were coming through, right. But um, it wasn't like it didn't have that kind of high profile. But for me, that didn't matter. Right, this was. The life,
0: and so that after you did that, you were never the same again, and you knew you had to leave.
2: Well, you know, I was just like, I can I come back? So they invited me back to this the second you know summer to when apprentice. I was sixteen. Yeah, so I was fifteen, and then when I was sixteen, I went back, and then I just said, <clears throat> Where should I go? Yeah, to study for, for to be a professional. Life? Where should I study? Yeah, and they at that it was i don't even know why but they all said carnegie mellon yeah all those guys uh-huh. said carnegie is the place to go so that was the only school that i applied to um i mean i put everything in that basket sure. and you know you got it well and and yeah so uh, you thank god because maybe i would just be a secretary and
0: Atlanta. Yeah. A very, very exciting secretary. (laughs) Right. Intense.
2: You know, dictation. Very dramatic secretary.
0: (laughs) Why is she all worked up all the time? Yeah.
2: Wow. She's just, she
0: seems. What a pip. She seems really. uh, Very intense about the. She like, answers the phone very intensely. So unfulfilled. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> so that so you did uh, undergrad at Carnegie Mellon. Is that how it works? You there for four years? Right. And that was. Uh, and it, uh, well, that might have been like the, I, I don't know when the other the, Yale is Yale, but that's a graduate program. Juilliard. I don't. That's a graduate program. So you, you know, wanna...
2: uh, Juilliard's undergrad too. Oh yeah, they do the undergrad as well. Probably lucky you didn't but, go there. But you know, I, I'm really happy. Yeah. You know, not not not. I'm just happy that I wasn't that I didn't go straight from the farm to New York City. It was very nice to have a pit stop in Pittsburgh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Pittsburgh's all right. Pittsburgh's
2: all right, and it was a great little way station, Mm -hmm. you know, because... New York would have been too intense for me. And Carnegie feels a little bit more like a little a little womb. It's a little you safe. It. It's a safe place.
0: To learn. And yeah. you know, see Spalding Gray come down and yeah. get your mind blown in a safe environment before you go get beat up.
2: Yeah. New York in 1976. Whoa. Probably when well, you know. Exciting. It was. Yeah. I mean, I was ready for it by 1980 but (laughs) 76 just give me four years
0: (laughs) is that when you went to when did you get out of carnegie Mellon? 80 oh okay so i mean i hit new york and new york
2: had like all the edge that we were talking about
0: yeah just you caught the last wind of it
2: well i would say the 80s
0: the, the 80s so. had yeah. some nice. I guess that's true, you know, because a lot of the, you know, a lot like stuff that a lot of the performance art stuff that was going on was still kind of doing it. Then. And,
2: and Soho was still yeah. very much an artist, you know, right, enclave. Right. they were getting ready to be pushed out, you know. Right. But a lot of those buildings didn't have certificate, certificate of occupancy. Sure. I mean, all this, you know, all that stuff was still
0: happening. So when you went up there, did you have a sense of how show business was supposed to work? Did you know what you were to do? When you left Carnegie, when you moved to New York? Did no. you, Or were you just sort of like, I'm here with my headshot? I came there with my headshot yeah. and a real sense of entitlement. It's, which is necessary when you uh, start to be uh, in show business. You need to be delusional and maintain it for as long as possible. Well, didn't you feel that way? Of course. How? Why else would anyone fucking do this? Right. You, know, if <laughs> you need to have a certain
2: amount of fearlessness. Like, hey, man, I get to be here.
0: Yeah. And also like it's uh, it it'll come. I just got to show up. You know?
2: Right. it's it's a it's a certain kind of um, you know, w- you know, as you get older it's willful naivete, but at that point it's just naivete. Well,
0: I don't know how else what other kind of person really takes the chance. You know, anybody who's sort of like, I'm going to try it. It's like, no, well, that's not going to work out. Well, you're
2: not pr- you're pretty much not going to go. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to give stand up a real world. <laughs> At the age of forty-five,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, believe me, it happens. I've seen it happen. Yeah, but no, the bigger problem is, is like, what if you? What if all that self-will and uh, delusion that you need to to sort of propel yourself into such a ridiculous profession? What if it doesn't work out? That's the sad story.
2: That's a sad story. But then, of, of course, you know, sadness, you know, yes, strikes us all sooner sure. or later. I mean, <laughs> you're you're gonna get the ebb. You're gonna yeah, get yeah. the flow. Yeah. And some get it, or, you know, earlier than others. Yes,
0: there's no happy ending for anyone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? Nobody gets out of here. That's right. And so, um, yeah.
0: so When you get to New York, so what do you do? Who Like, what's your first move? Who are your pals? What's happening?
2: I didn't really... Well, I had a few pals, but I, I, I think, you know, I met this casting director, Joy Todd. Yeah. And she just went... She just liked me. Uh-huh. Um And... She started giving me extra work. Oh yeah! So I just did a, a lot of extra work you instead did? of instead of having to um, wait tables. I oh, did okay. extra work, and okay. so you could you could make you know a hundred bucks a day, two hundred
0: bucks a day. Right, and also you could be on a set. You could get a be on a set.
2: I didn't really care so much about that, but the money was nice.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. I
2: didn't. I, I, I didn't want to. I wasn't fighting for the front. <laughs> I wasn't fighting for camera time. <laughs> like, not at all.
0: You weren't walking by several times. There's that girl again. Yeah, no, no
2: I didn't. That was not my... Well, emo. what were you
0: thinking? You wanted to do theater? Or were you thinking, like, what was the plan there? If you... I wanted to do theater. That was it. Yeah. You weren't even thinking in terms of movies or TV. You're like, this is garbage. Where's the theater? No, I uh, didn't
2: think that it was garbage at yeah. all. I just, like, it was the theater. That was what I...
0: Trained for. ...wanted to do. But, yeah. hey,
2: I didn't have any problems with movies or television. I mean, none. I, yeah. wanted, to be, I wanted to be an actress. Right. But I didn't move to L.A. Right. I did move to New York. Right. Yeah. I For, mean, I, on purpose. It was the it was a stage thing. But I had no, you know, I wasn't, um, I, I I I wasn't snooty. Yeah. About like oh.
0: Yeah. Television. Where'd you live in New York when you first got there?
2: Uh, like where didn't I live? Oh, really? I mean, but you know, those were like like I said, you know, it was it was eighty. Yeah. So you could be an out of work actor. And live in Manhattan. Sure. You could do that. Yeah. I mean, I had five roommates.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Where was that place?
2: <laughs> on like 60, uh, between 66th and 67th on Columbus.
0: Oh, up there, but yeah. then,
2: you know, I was on Amsterdam and 73rd, right, you uh-huh. know, across from Needle Park.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, then I was in the Bronx, the North Bronx. Yeah. Then I was um, in 9th Street between 2nd and 3rd, um, which was which was groovy. That's nice. Not down far there. from you. Yeah, yeah.
0: Ninth nice street. Yeah. Um, By Tompkins Square. Then
2: I was, you know, Morton and Hudson. Oh yeah, um, other side. Then Eleventh
0: wow. really and Wow, really got around. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, you you move around a lot when yeah. you when you're young and you're living in New York City. Yeah, you're moving.
0: Yeah, because you just meet people. You're like, no, all right, you got a room. I'm tired of living with these nine people. How many people do you right. live with? Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, the North Bronx is dull. Yeah. Let's get off the D train.
0: Right. So when did you start getting work?
2: Um, well, I got a, a, a horror movie yeah. within three weeks.
0: Of <laughs> being in New York? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I got this horror film, yeah. and, I, and, and uh, actually with, with it, Harvey Weinstein, um, oh, yeah? was his first movie that he ever produced.
0: Right, when he got out of the music business? He was
2: a concert promoter, yeah. right. And in fact, we we were up in um, Buffalo, in North Tonawanda, New York, and, and the Commodores came through town. Harvey was, prom- so we went and saw the Commodores.
0: Because Harvey um, was promoting concerts. Right, right. And it, was he a monster yet?
2: Uh, you know, I had many, many dealings with, with Harvey. Yeah. Harvey obviously was a monster. I didn't see that for a long time. Yeah. But, and the monstrous part of Harvey that I was privy to was his temper, uh-huh. um, which he has a, a mighty one. Uh-huh.
0: But, uh But How did that come out in your experience? At, uh, you?
2: at the Cannes Film Festival, which, oh. you know, Harvey was a kind of a permanent fixture at.
0: Uh-huh. Um, but not and, directed yeah. at you.
2: No, yeah, directed at me, sure. But uh-huh. Harvey, you know, he was he could be very sloppy with with uh, with all everything. things, Yeah. with everything. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so I did the burning, yeah, and got so much money. I mean. <laughs> I just had, I was like sleeping in cash, you know, I would just like wake up with bills from my per diem. Wow. I just couldn't believe how much money, Uh you know, I was making on the burning. (laughs) It was 1980. I'd been in New York for three weeks and I, it was raining Raining. <laughs> Give me cash. a number
0: amount. This sounds crazy. It was for like small you know movie. I I
2: made like a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, and it was like incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was like so happy. You're, you're a working actress and it's raining money. Right. A thousand whole dollars. Right. I'm going to move to a place with only two other people in it. And that is what
2: happened. And I and I just got a roommate. Uh, who is that? Jason Alexander. You know who sure. of Seinfeld. He's been in here. And Jason and I got a place on on Amsterdam between
0: seventy three and seventy four. Really, and you lived with Jason. Jason. You lived with Jason Alexander.
2: Yeah, me and Jason. We and Jason's wife, eventual wife, uh-huh. moved in with us for a little while, uh-huh. and then they moved out and got married. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it was just me and Jason
0: um did you have did you guys get along did you
2: we were we were pals yeah we were we were, we were good pals he's a there sweet was...
0: guy he's i've talked to him in here he we did a really great episode about about he's acting very sweet yeah
2: very sweet um and he was doing musical theater he yeah. was he was kind of a musical theater actor
0: yeah big mac the uh the the commercial the the, the McDonald's commercial he did. Yeah, we, we I pulled that up and we talked about
2: I'm it. I'm not surprised.
0: His Tim dance?
2: Jason would be a total natural.
0: Yeah, he's just at, a, yeah, a dancer, that. yeah. So okay, so then what happens after the burning?
2: Then I went in th- into a period of of not working.
0: After the raining money, $1000. <laughs> right. No, then, then I nothing. had to like,
2: you know, hit the deck with, you know, waitressing. You did? Yeah. Um Which place? Chips pub. Um, and then after I got fired from Chip's Pub, then I, you know, I started um, temping. Yeah, you know, sure. b- You know. Yeah. Doing after sec- and I did secretarial stuff at HBO. Um, oh yeah. I was a temp. On, over secretary. on Brian
0: Park. Was that where no, it was? No.
2: Um. That's well, actually, yeah. Not yeah. far from, on Sixth Ave. Yeah. Okay. And then I got a play, and once I got the play. Yeah. Then I just started doing plays.
0: Was it a big play? What'd you do?
2: It was an off-off Broadway play. Uh huh. But it was a. You know, really you, cool play.
0: You could work. Yeah, it was a it.
2: really fun play, um and that was. And then I started just doing plays.
0: Almost like oh, just almost all theater, huh?
2: Yeah, I just just went from one play to another, and and did that for, you know, for a a, a couple of years, and got a, a a Broadway play, and which one? Crimes of the Heart. Oh, that's big. And then Joel and Ethan Cohen saw Crimes of the Heart, uh-huh. and then you know. I got to know those guys. They were doing um, uh, Blood Simple.
0: Uh-huh. Was, uh, was the, the Cohen married to um, to Francis yet? No.
2: Um, Fran and I were rooming. Fran and I were roommates. You were? Yeah.
0: That must have been an intense we household. Up in the North Bronx. <laughs> I just can't imagine the two of you just running around just the like apartment. An effortless friendship. I'm sure. And so Fran and I were up in the
2: North Bronx, <laughs> and, and I, you know... I met Joel and Ethan and I, and and then they met Fran and then they did Blood Simple and then we all did Raising Arizona. Were you, you know in what Blood I mean? Simple?
0: You did oh you had a, a little so that you did you facilitate the the meeting of Fran and
2: I said you should meet my roommate.
0: <laughs> and that's how it started? She's married to Joel, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't. And wasn't she involved with the Worcester Group at the time?
2: And no, no. But Fran is d- deeply involved in the Worcester Group. Present now, right? And she's she's done stuff with them through, you know, through yeah. the course of 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 these last,
0: you know. Yeah, but not or, when you were roommates.
2: No, no. You, you um, were just
0: worked trying to get. No, Fran. Jobs as Fran's
2: involvement with the Worcester Group was later. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah. So that's so that's exciting. So you meet these Cohen brothers. Bef- right before they even start you're, you're around with their first movie that, that's right yeah and then that's she, right. they give you the lead in their second movie
2: right that's right so and Fran is in the second movie too
0: oh yes I remember and I'm in yeah. the
2: answering machine in Blood Simple you know there's an answering machine that comes up and 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 I'm on my voice is on the answering machine Right.
0: I love Raising Arizona yeah me too Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, it was so funny and so wild, and like how now you've worked with them then and and later. So how did how did they work at the time they did Blood Simple? Because I've talked to, I just talked to Josh Brolin about working with them, and I'm just curious about how that process is. I mean, was it different working with them on on raising Arizona and then you know a brother? Where I mean, you know, what's the have you can you see the evolution in their process?
2: Um. You know oddly, not really
0: uh-huh
2: uh, Joel and Ethan are highly original yeah. and I think you know an exception yeah to any rule really yeah they' the way they feel slightly impervious to stress I mean things might annoy them right but but they they have a, a real it's a it's a feeling of they've got a safety. It's maybe it's because they have each other, but right. they feel like I said it's 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 a certain kind of it's impenetrable in terms of the stress of the norm the 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 normal stress levels that people experience in making a movie. Yeah, I just think that, that you know they there's a confidence there. Um, yeah,
0: right. They're in total control. They
2: totally exhibited in. I'm mm. sure they exhibited in Blood Simple. They certainly it was there in in. Raising Arizona, and it was, I felt like almost identical um, Uh, in uh, a Brother, and I was cut out of Miller's Crossing.
0: But like Raising Arizona, like I know it's a long time ago, but like everybody was so hilarious and, and kind of like, you know, Nicolas Cage at that point was so young and beautiful. I know. And it's so fucking funny. John I Goodman. I know. I mean, it's like, it must be wild to look back at that and just be like, oh my God. Yeah, it's
2: just a really funny movie. It
0: really is. It's just really funny. And I read somewhere that they based Nicolas Cage's character on Wiley e. Coyote. Well, no, that was Nicholas. Oh, he did? Nick did that. Oh. That was the,
2: the the Cage influence. He brought that in. He did. And they like, couldn't deny it. Oh, right. I mean, Nick is very committed, and, and yeah. he lived that. Uh-huh. You know? He did. He walked the walk, and, and, and Joel and Ethan were like, yes.
0: Uh-huh. Wow. So did you love working with him? Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I in awe of Nick. I, yeah. I think he's like a in a... In, There's nobody like that guy. I know. I mean, what Nick keeps showing up with over the decades is incredible. Yeah. The chances that Nick can take, the, I don't know, the ability that Nick has is is kind of, I feel like it's without limit. Yeah. I mean, like, what what can the guy not do?
0: I guess that's true, huh?
2: I do. I feel that way about him. I mean, uh, David Gordon Green did this movie called Joe.
0: Yeah, I heard about this. And I
2: thought that Nick was... You know, so beautiful in it.
0: I was just talking to Lynn Shelton about that the other night. and I've not seen that movie. Yeah,
2: it's a a real... He really does a... It's a a very difficult thing because David Gordon Green likes to work with a bunch of non-actors. Yeah. And that's a hard intersection to, like, make... To be cool with. Yeah. If you're working with non-actors, in a way, to be as good as them
0: can be hard. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Because they're just doing the one thing they do. Because, yeah, they're they're just... being yeah
2: and sometimes that's all you want to that's all you're aspiring to do yeah and so i thought nick just did that so gracefully
0: wow and do you talk to him you, i haven't
2: seen or talked to nick in years but whenever we run into each other there's a i
0: think great affection like we went to high school together kind of thing like well we, i mean we I, did.
2: I think that you know because the success of raising arizona it had a strange kind of shape uh-huh. Because initially it was not a successful movie. Right. it became beloved over right. the decades. Oh, I guess
0: that's true, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah. And I and it was at the beginning of both of our careers.
0: At a very vital time for right. each other, you were there. Right. And then like you took off, and then like broadcast. You like it seems to me like I feel like I grew up with you because I see you in movies so much, but broadcast news and other like cuz you take a lot of chances too. I mean, when you say that about Nicolas Cage, I mean, I when I was looking at the uh, the films you've done, I mean, you don't shy away from going out there. Thank you. I mean, like, you know, like Crash, I mean, that's that's that was heavy. Fun. That's heavy shit, you know, and and even The Firm, which I love that movie. I love The Firm, and I thought you were great in that. Oh, thanks. And I don't think these are safe things and that, well, obviously The Piano, but those aren't there's nothing safe about how you approach acting. It's very exciting. And, like, when I think of, like, the, like, you and Francis together, I'm like, oh, my God, how can one room contain that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But let's, let's, let's like, move through a couple of things. Like, when you do something like uh, The Firm, who I'd, working with all these different directors, like someone like Sidney Pollack, who, who, you know, was kind of amazing. How do you judge directors in terms of, like, the work? I mean, do most of them just hire you and expect you to just do what you do? Or do, are there ones that that really kind of work with you through things?
2: I mean, I think that, you know, um, a great director, a, a really great director casts magnificently right. and then steps out of the way so that, you know, and, and, and really, I think what most actors want is the director to provide an environment, you know, an atmosphere that feels right for that story. Yeah. Um, that's supportive Of the story yeah
1: yeah sure
2: um and that 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 feels for me i i love it if i feel just in general if i feel loved by a director yeah you know if i feel that the director really admires these actors and i mean i've worked with some directors who were a fabulous audience like my dream audience yeah and that can kind of inspire a better performance yeah, um i bet. I don't want it to be a negative atmosphere right like if somebody is a screamer yeah that's hard and
0: that happens i,
2: I yeah i i don't like i won't deal with that yeah that's that's not conducive it's abusive to, it's abusive right so that's got to stop right um i just don't <laughs> i don't i don't truck with have, that. You, have
0: you walked off sets before because of someone's insanity no i just
2: oh. take them quietly aside I just take them to somewhere and say, "Listen, man, you got to go back and apologize to everybody." I mean, yeah, now you got to say you're sorry
0: because right. we can't. Yeah, you're gonna ruin everything. Yeah, now maybe.
2: you got to go do that. Yeah, <laughs> and you probably don't want it, want to, but that's the only way that everybody's gonna be able to stay on board with you, and you need us. You know, you need us to stay on board with you to do this movie. You know, I mean, it. It's, How often do you, have you It's kids? like you know, I, 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 I don't want to be. I, I don't want to fight fire with fire in those situations. I want to fight fire with a certain amount of love yeah. and say, like, you lost your shit. Yeah. And I, and everybody has. Yeah. And now, you know, you can make it right.
0: I, I feel like just, you just saying that right now, I feel like I should try to make something right. Can, can you? <laughs> I, I, I just want to apologize for everything I've ever done. Oh,
2: that's so great. <laughs> we can go on. Um, But anyway, I mean, yeah, yeah, sometimes I mean, I I would never want to direct. It looks like a nightmare. Mm. (laughs) It looks like a nightmare, a mountain of stress.
0: And working with like you, like the piano obviously was a, 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 a wild movie. And that's a long time ago. But like, yeah, I mean, you won the big thing. That was, was that great?
2: Yeah. No, listen, that was great. Yeah. And I love Jane yeah i love campion yeah i love harvey
0: yeah harvey yeah have you worked with him again no like he's like a trip man i love harvey yeah i mean what an odd part for him too really no, i mean you know i see
2: harvey we start crying you do yeah i mean we fall into each other's arms oh, i mean i love i love him
0: yeah yeah and that, was that the first time you met him was on the set of that thing yeah oh man it was
2: that's the first time i ever met met him He's, but he's, I do. I, I I I hold Harvey
0: close. He's he's another one that takes real chances. Like for just yeah. a kid from New York, I mean, he really does a thing. I know, man. It's crazy. I mean, I I'm
2: looking forward to seeing this movie that he did with Scorsese and
0: De Niro and. Oh, the Italian movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is it done? <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> I heard. Whenever it.
2: it is, I'm going to go see it.
0: And what about the movie thirteen, which I thought I love that movie too. Oh, That's, me too. What a it's a, kind of a harsh movie, but really great. Really
2: beautiful and Catherine Hardwick. wow. She yes. did such an incredible thing. Yeah. Such a she's out. She really took risks. She had this Damn. thing, you know. She it was like when I met her, I went, Okay, yeah, this is the girl to direct this movie. Yeah. I don't know what this movie is, yeah, but I wanna be part of it. Yeah. And, you know, because she, I just felt like I was going to be on her ride.
0: Yeah. it's Yeah. It's, it, it was raw, man. Right? It was raw. Yeah. And very articulate. I thought so. Like, it made an impact on me. So, like, outside of the, uh, do you still, do you like doing any more theater? Do you still do theater? Or I
2: did that... a, a play, um, the, the great David yeah. Rabe. Um oh, right. Wow. Um, he did he well, streamers th- was this? streamers was streamers yeah, right. and um mm. Hurley Burley. Oh, Hurley Burley, um, yeah. And he also direct. he wrote a play called Sticks and Bones. Mm. Um that I did um about 3 years ago um at the new group which is yeah. an off-Broadway. Yeah. And I just recently saw his latest play Good for Otto with Amy
0: Madigan and Ed Harris.
2: It was wow. Mark Lynn Baker. It was
0: great. Oh my god. So what now you've got You've got kids now, right? Yeah, but we don't talk about them. Oh. We leave them out of it. But you're having a good time. Yeah. Oh, good. And you're you're happy in your life and everything's cool.
2: Everything's really good.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you uh, talking to me for a while. Yeah, that well, was really, really a blast. That was intense and exciting. It was great to meet her. She's an awesome kind of personality, full on holly hunter exactly as you uh, imagine holly hunter to be i am on the road i am tired I, I i don't know if you can hear that in my voice but uh no guitar today no guitar today boomer lives